There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, the John McAfee saga continues as he gets arrested. The FCA bans cryptocurrency derivatives in the UK after BitMEX charges. And Trust Token, True Currency Liquidity Fund, is now open. Coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? How you doing? Today is Tuesday, October 6, 2020, and I started my morning at the BMV or DMV or whatever you want to call it, the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, the Department of Motor Vehicles, whatever they call it in your state, getting my address and my license updated so I can vote in the election. It's interesting. I heard that in my district or in my town, if I want to vote in local elections, I have to have the address on my ID. Now, I could have got that wrong, but anyway, that's what I did so I can vote. And I want to share with you my unpopular opinion about voting in the United States. I think everybody should be able to vote. I think that everyone who is born in the United States or has became a U.S. citizen should be able to vote. No registration needed. Nothing. You are here. You're born. You are able to vote at 18 years old. Full stop. I don't understand why they make you jump through hoops. I don't understand why they make you do this or that or have some restrictions and not restrictions. And people always say, do you think that people who've committed a crime or a felony or this should be able to vote? I think everybody should be able to vote. It is part of society. And it's just every time you go through these situations or this rigmarole to be able to register to vote. I don't know. Some people have more things to do. Some people have less things to do. It just goes to show you that you could just make this very simple. Everybody is able to vote. I don't know if you believe that, but I would love to have the debate with you. If you don't believe everybody should be able to vote, Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co, send me an email. Tell me what you think about voting in the United States. And also, if you want to know my ideas about how you can vote on the blockchain, I think I put it in this podcast series before, but it probably got overlooked by some people who's just joining recently. Send me an email. Let me know. I would love to put out an episode about voting on the blockchain because I think it's the only way we're ever going to have fair in free elections is some system that is decentralized that you have your private key that you can securely put your vote cast your ballot on a blockchain transparent everybody can see that a vote for x or y comes in and no manipulation maybe one day maybe one day just as long as Pete Buttigieg in the Iowa caucus has nothing to do with building that blockchain we could be okay now for the crypto prices here comes the money here we go money talk I'm recording this at 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $10,715.75, up 1.7% from yesterday. Ethereum, 350.10, up 1.5% from yesterday. Litecoin coming into the top 10 again, sitting at number 9 spot for total market cap of cryptocurrency at 47.59, up 5.7% from yesterday. Chainlink, 921, exactly the same from yesterday. And XRP skyrocketing over the 25 cent mark to 25.2 cents, up 8.3% from yesterday. Total market cap for all the cryptocurrencies is $341.2 billion, with a BTC dominance of 58.1%. In our first story today, we have True Currency Liquidity Fund is now open. And here to talk about it is the co founder and CEO of Trust Token, Rafael Cosman. 
Raphael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Good to be on. Exciting news coming out of your company today. The True Currency Liquidity Fund is now open. I can't wait for you to tell me about this. However, I need you to do me one quick favor. Define liquidity for me. Yeah, so liquidity is it's depth on an order book. So if you go on to an exchange like Binance or Huobi or any of the others, you know, you'll see that there are trades there sitting on the order book waiting for you as a taker to be able to you know, buy and sell a certain currency. But the same thing happens in DeFi products like Aave or Compound, where if you want to provide liquidity, you want to put in capital or you want to be able to borrow capital, let's say you want to borrow some true USD or some Ether from Aave, that liquidity has to be there in the protocol, ready to go. Otherwise, it can't really serve you as a customer. Okay, so I'm going to try to just dumb this down a little bit. So a 101, I would say definition of liquidity would be the money or the, the, the pool of tokens that you that somebody wants to buy? Well, it's, it's a pool of tokens that's, that's sitting there available for someone to buy or to borrow. So that means anytime somebody wants to buy, there's no like delays, they're not getting their orders not filled, they're getting as much as they want because of the liquidity. Exactly, that's right. So it's like if you were to go into the store and they say, hey, we're all out of shoes Toilet today, paper. you have to wait until next time. <laughs> all right, so then what is True Currency Liquidity Fund then? So True Currency Liquidity Fund is a new fund that we just launched, which provides liquidity in all five true currencies. So that's true USD, true British pound, Canadian dollar, Hong Kong dollar, and Australian dollar. It provides liquidity in all five true currencies to new and existing DeFi protocols that are looking to grow true currency usage on their platform. Okay, so the way that I understand liquidity, and I'm probably old school with this, is that I have something to sell, you have something to buy, more people have something to sell, a lot of people have something to buy, therefore there's liquidity there because I have something to sell. Like, So we make up the liquidity pool. How is a liquidity fund set up if there's no people there selling what people want to buy? Well, what people want to oftentimes trade or borrow are true currencies themselves. So let me just give a specific example. Let's say you were launching a new protocol for lending in DeFi. Think you know, kind of like Aave or Compound, right? On day one, you launch, and let's say you support TrueUSD. But if you don't have any TrueUSD that's sitting there in the protocol, then when someone comes and they say, hey, I'd like to borrow 10,000 TrueUSD, well, there's nothing they can do. There's no true USD there. So what the liquidity fund will do is it will put up 10,000 or 100,000 or even a million true USD that will be waiting there in the protocol to help bootstrap the market. So now when someone comes and says, hey, I want to borrow 10,000 true USD, it's already there. They can take out that loan immediately. They can pay it back. And all of a sudden, you've got that flywheel started and people are really using the protocol. Okay, so I am still confused and I apologize about this. Can you do me a favor? Can you walk me in and, and very briefly walk me through buying a currency decentralized in a decentralized fashion that would use true USD? Yeah. So let's say, for example, you're, you're trading on Uniswap, which is one of the most popular, I think it's the most popular decentralized exchange right now. And you want to buy some token. What's what's the token you'd want to buy? No clue, man. RSR. RSR. So you want to buy some RSR, okay? If you go to Uniswap and you look at, let's say, you know, let's say, let's say you've got you, you're a trader, you've got a lot of your money um, sitting in TrueUSD right now. You go to the you go to the market on Uniswap for TrueUSD versus RSR. Well, today, you know, there might not be very much liquidity in that market. And it depends, you know, on how popular the token is and how much usage there is. But if there isn't much liquidity sitting there in the true USD versus RSR market, then 
it doesn't matter. If you want to buy RSR, tough luck. The market just doesn't have liquidity. But what the liquidity fund will do is it will provide liquidity to, to that market. It might take a pile of, imagine it takes $10,000 of true USD and $10,000 of RSR, and it puts it into that market on Uniswap. So now that liquidity is sitting there in the Uniswap protocol for anyone to use. So you can now go and say, hey, I've got some true USD and I want to buy RSR. Uniswap, it's got the liquidity there. Okay, you can do it. Or if you want to sell your RSR, get true USD, no problem. You can do it right there. As long as the liquidity is there in the protocol, you can do your trade as a trader. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much for explaining liquidity and true USD and how it fits into the DeFi space. Raphael, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate having me on. The personified parental advisory sticker, John McAfee, has been taken into custody. And to talk about the whole shebang is managing editor Tim Copeland. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. Good, thanks. How are you, man? Excellent, excellent. Man, you just covered a report of John McAfee getting arrested in Spain. But before we get into his arrest and what he got arrested for, who is John McAfee and what is the story behind his arrest? How long have you got? Um, so John McAfee <laughs> is a cybersecurity pioneer. He uh, created a McAfee antivirus. He kind of, that became really big because they had it pre-installed on computers. And then there was a kind of fear over the millennium bug um, made it made it quite successful, made him very well known. He then sold the company for $100 million dollars and then he went and did a bunch of stuff uh, set up like a yoga studio in the middle of nowhere if i remember um he moved to belize he ended up having almost i think his own kind of private militia or something like that was he was working with the police force there um he ended up he got accused for murdering his neighbor and then he left the country went back to america and then eventually as kind of regulators were were sending him letters and things like that he got on a boat sailed away from america eventually landed in the dominican republic flew to london and then kind of uh went from there to europe so he got arrested in spain what was he doing that got him arrested this last time so he was arrested in spain by the doj on criminal charges they claim that he hasn't been paying his taxes and that he's been like registering property and cars under the names of like his wife and people he know, which is actually something that I've had confirmed from people who know him closely. The SEC has separately charged him with touting unregistered securities, in this case, ICOs on Twitter. They claim that his tweets recommending certain ICO cryptocurrencies were counted as touting unregistered securities. So there's two different legal actions here. Um, there's, the, there's a civil case by the SEC and the criminal case by the DOJ. Okay, so just let me summarize this here if I got this right. DOJ is wants him for tax evasion and the SEC wants him for shilling ICOs during the 2017-2018 ICO craze. Am I correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. How much money does the SEC say that he made off of shilling ICOs? $22.3 million, I believe. Holy crap. And this was just for tweets and things like that that he charged hundreds of thousands of dollars for. Is this correct? I actually investigated this last year. Uh, I spoke to a number of companies that worked with him. I spoke to his uh, former CEO, uh, who was also named on the SEC charges. Essentially, like what, what I found 
there was that he would often ask for huge percentages of the project's total supply of coins. So in one case, he asked for, I think, 20 or 30% of the ICO proceeds. But yeah, he would often kind of take big payments, uh, I think in Ethereum typically. But then often, as as what I heard from a lot of the people that work with him, is he would often take the payments, do a bit of promotion, and then kind of turn around and say, you need to pay me more money. This is something that kind of several companies said that worked with him. And then because his influence is so strong, they felt they couldn't complain because he could, you know, crush their coins price, you know, in a handful of tweets. So now that John McAfee is arrested, what do you think the future is for for John? Janice, his wife, put out a statement today saying that he has been arrested, but that he has his legal team around him um, that she contacted. Um they're going to work to try and get him off the charges. Tim, thank you very much for coming on and summarizing the saga of John McAfee. Anytime. And here is the tweet tweeted by Janice McAfee. Hello, everyone. I would like to state that both mine and John's accounts are staffed by interns, and they were not privy to what happened with John yesterday. Unfortunately, what has been reported is true. John has been detained in Spain. I can't comment on the details of the situation, but I can tell you that I have been in contact with him through the team of lawyers that have been working tirelessly on his behalf. He has been in good spirits and wanted me to thank you all for his support during the entire ordeal. Since we've left the United States, it has meant the world to both of us knowing that you are still believers in freedom all over the world. Regardless of whatever John may or may not have done, he has spent most of his retirement fighting not only for his own freedom, but everyone's freedom in America and across the world. For your freedom and the right to make your own choices in life. Now, more than ever, he needs your support in his battle against injustice. I will be limited in what I'm able to say going forward, so please bear with me in the coming weeks. While John is detained, we will continue to staff his Twitter account and provide whatever updates we can. Thank you all so much for your best wishes. They mean a lot to both of us, and we'll get through this. From John's wife, Janice McAfee's Twitter. Link is in the description. And in our final story... We have our favorite decrypt writer, Scott Cipollino, coming on to talk about the FCA and their ban on derivatives in the UK. Scott, my man, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. I'm good, Matt. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Your article today, FCA bans cryptocurrency derivatives in UK after BitMEX charges. Before we get into the story, I think we need to be on a base level of a couple terms. Can you do me a favor and define FCA? Okay, sure thing. So um, the FCA is the Financial Conduct Authority. Now that's basically the regulator for financial services in the United Kingdom. Um, it's much like the SEC. Well, perfect. There you go. And what is a derivative, my friend? I, well, going off of Investopedia's definition, it's essentially a contract between two or more parties whose value is based on an agreed upon underlying financial asset. So it's basically like a security or like a set of different assets put together. Yeah, the news that's come out, I don't want to get ahead of you, but uh, the news is that retail customers will no longer be able to um, buy cryptocurrency derivatives in the UK. Okay, so I still want to understand what a derivative is. Why would that be different than buying a cryptocurrency, say Bitcoin at $10,500? And what is a derivative and how does that affect the average person? or the average, I say, investor? I guess, yeah, the distinction to be made here is that there is, at least at least in the FCA's eyes, a distinction to be made between the average person and uh, an experienced investor. Uh, what's been targeted here are specifically retail customers and any any crypto derivative, which is just basically, as I said, it's, it's, it's an agreement which under that agreement, there is an underlying financial asset. In this case, it's a crypto asset. Those are now no longer going to be able to be sold by exchanges like CoinShares or Kraken that are registered in the UK to retail customers specifically. Got it, got it. So why does BitMEX have any influence over the FCA or this BitMEX charges? 
Um, so what's happened with BitMEX is actually just a story that occurred last week. Um, the the owners of, Bit, of BitMEX, which is also a crypto derivatives exchange, were charged with operating an unregistered trading platform, and they failed to, uh, well, they fell short rather of, of, of several regulatory requirements like implementing proper money laundering procedures or anti-money laundering procedures, I should say. So really, this is just an, an additional story that relates to crypto derivatives that's come after some pretty big news relating to BitMEX. Understood. And my last question is, how do you think this is going to affect the crypto markets? I mean, is derivatives a big, I guess, mover of price or uh, capital within, to the cryptocurrency space or Bitcoin? It's it's always hard to sort of predict what the markets will do with news like this. And I think I'd veer away from guessing so much, but sometimes news like this results in a short-term drop in the price of Bitcoin, but then, um, you know, it, it tends to correct itself, it seems, in the long term. So uh, at least in my own personal opinion, I wouldn't necessarily imagine that there's going to be a big catastrophic drop to Bitcoin as a result of this, but there may be some market moves because of the news. I mean, it is fairly big. It's it's controversial decision in the eyes of obviously the crypto exchanges that are registered in the UK. Right on. And I, I lied to you. That was not my last question. My last question is, do, do you think that this could influence other countries to take the same route as the FCA? It may do. Uh, the FCA has always been seen as one of the more prominent international regulators or regulators on an international scale. It could do, but that I think would be um, speculation at this point. Right on, Scott. Thank you very much for summarizing and writing this article and like always coming on the show. No worries. Thank you, man. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy hodling, everyone, and stay safe.